0: do my Ideal Starters. What's up? So when I uh, do my Ideal Starters, can I include players not on the team?
1: (laughs) You can, but you're getting a little extra Ideal because then I'll just start adding Steph and Jokic (laughs) and stuff like that. right. You ready, bud? Yeah. Alright. We will go in three to welcome back everybody to another episode of can you dig it a podcast by the silver screen and roll network i am one of your co-hosts jacob Brood, and we have our uh, new co-host negotiations uh have more or less been finalized they are doing much better than the lakers trade negotiations have this summer uh but joining me today and throughout the season Hani Amadian but uh how are you doing how did you uh handle the uh dire summer as we head into the preseason and in training camp
0: oh uh i am in i'm in terrible shape um,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh i i feel uh, well i actually I, I joked about this on on twitter yesterday of, like Regardless of of how bad the Lakers are, I always find it in myself to become delusional about their chances at some point. Um, so I'll I'll get there, but uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a challenge with this team for sure. Um, <laughs> but having said that, very excited to uh, to to be joining the podcast. Uh, I'm hearing that Silver Screen and Roll needs to uh, apply some levers to to be able to afford me, but I'm I'm sure that we'll <laughs> we'll get that settled down um uh but yeah i'm pretty excited about being here and uh i don't know how excited i am about the lakers but i'm excited about uh talking about them quite a lot this year
1: yeah it's uh i don't know if it was just how things played out last season and last preseason that jaded me uh but i just haven't been able to get up the same level of excitement this year for this team and uh I was excited last year. I was apprehensive about Russ, but there was still a level of excitement that, you know, AD had a full off season and LeBron had a full off season and they were integrating Russ and they still had a championship winning coach. And there was a lot of questions about the rest of the team, but there was excitement there. Do you feel that level of excitement uh, this season? How does it compare to last season? Uh, it's
0: weird because I think that with all the challenges that they had in, in doing anything this offseason, I do think that, like, this team got quite a bit better. Like, if you go up and down the roster, I think I think the players that they lost and the players that they brought in, uh, there is a an improvement there, but I also don't have any sort of feeling that, that they're really going to be competing for a title. Um, so I don't really have that excitement, and I haven't really had it because... I think I realized fairly early on in the off season that more than likely this is going to be a year where they kind of punt, you know, obviously they try to compete, but that they're not really going to be putting in the risk of, of making a major move. Um, And I'm not necessarily against that, but obviously in terms of this season, uh, my excitement level has has diminished because of that.
1: Yeah. This team just feels incomplete. And that, that's probably leading into why I don't have a certain level of excitement is that I, we spent most of the summer expecting there to be one other pretty sizable move to the roster that never came and it's still out there. It still could happen and, and it potentially will. I mean, we can, we can start there That That wasn't where I was going to start, but Zach Lowe reported in his podcast on Friday that the Lakers are are not having any deep trade discussions with anybody. Uh, the Utah jazz and the San Antonio Spurs, neither have intriguing trade packages, especially now that Bogdanovich is uh, not going to be included. And so they're not having any type of discussions with anybody. Um, does that surprise you? Is there anybody you think they should be having discussions with right now?
0: Um, I, I think as a concept, um, I have not been as sort of adamant as a lot of Lakers fans of, you know, we can't waste another year of LeBron and AD, got to move the picks with Russ to, to get anything. Uh, I have been sort of against that that thought because in my mind, we've already thrown away thrown away so many assets, already took that risk with Russ and it failed you know lost lost some valuable role players lost another first round pick doing that I don't really want to throw away more assets to try and correct that mistake if it's not uh, if it's not a move that I feel very strongly is going to put them into a, a level where they're contending for the title so there's like individual trades that I think are worth it. Um, for example, you know, I, I don't know if you ever really heard what the exact trade would be, but if there is a way where Ross and two first-round picks gets you Buddy Hill and Miles Turner, I am supportive of that, of that because I think that is a good enough return for this year. Plus, I think uh, Miles Turner is somebody that you could uh, sign sign to an extension and then eventually trade away for an asset to kind of recoup that if you think that AD is going to be your long-term center um, uh, after LeBron is gone. Um, so, yeah, there's there's individual trades where I would be OK with it, but it's not really surprising to me that Palenka and the Lakers don't really want to um, add to, you know, like have a snowball effect of, oh, we traded for Russ. It didn't work. Now we're going to try to fix it. And now we're going to keep losing assets and, and it snowballs uh, way down the line. Um, I think there is a, a good argument to be made that the smarter decision is to, you know, try to improve this year, try to make the playoffs. But uh, kind of go into this year knowing that Russ is going to be gone in a year, you're going to have some cap space and you're going to be able to actually get some decent role players um, to, to come and join LeBron and AD for, for the one or two more years that we have of, of that duo. Um, the only thing that worries me about that thought is that I know the Lakers are not really going to go after role players with that, that <laughs> money they're going to try to go sign another third star and i'm kind of against that idea i just don't think that they're going to be able to build a deep enough team uh that can win a title if they go for a third tra- third star especially if it's someone like kyrie who you can't really rely on a- at all um and you know that, that that was a trade that i was against for example of, of russ and two first round picks for kyrie because i didn't think that was going to improve the team enough um to, to win a title
1: it's it's weird, hilarious, odd, on-brand, whatever you want to say, that the Lakers won a title with LeBron, AD, and a bunch of role players, and they just seem diametrically opposed to building that type of team again. And they yeah. want Russ, they want Kyrie, and you're right. If they have cap space, they're going to try to turn that into a third star. But yeah. the maybe encouraging thing if you are in favor of trading Russ is that um, the Lakers reportedly are open to trading first round picks for long-term money and the right deal. Zach Lowe also reported that he thought if the Lakers went to the Pacers right now and said Russ and two firsts for Buddy and Miles, it would be a done deal that the Pacers would say yes to it. Is there a reason you think that the Lakers aren't doing that do you do you, I mean to me the way I see it is that makes them better and per, perhaps good I don't know that that raises them to title contention and I think that might be why the Lakers are holding off on it
0: that might be it um I think you can make an argument either way I think Miles Turner is a really really good player but also somebody that uh has been kind of inconsistent at times and hasn't really played on on great teams you know the Pacers have been a playoff team, I think a couple of times with him, but, uh, never been like an amazing, uh, like title contending, or even like Eastern conference finals contending team. Um, so you don't really know what to expect from him. Buddy Heels is another sort of like situational player to me. He's a uh, very poor defender, but obviously a great three point shooter. Um, so yeah, I think you can make an argument either way of whether that makes him a title contender. And that might be the reason why I think there's also the, um, the issue of, I, I believe Miles Turner would be a free agent after, after this mm-hmm. year, and then they would have to pay him quite a lot of money to keep him. I would assume. And that might be something that they're not uh, interested in. And if that's the case, then now you're trading two first round picks for a one-year rental of uh, Miles Turner and a couple of years of Buddy Buddy Heald. And that's obviously a, a different pill to swallow than, than just getting those two guys um, and having them long-term. Um so i think there's probably arguments either way that is really the one trade um although i think i think the utah stuff has has been a little like less reported of what exactly the package would be but uh that indiana trade has been the one trade that i have been very like uh secure in in wanting that to be done if it does get done even if i do understand some of the arguments against it
1: <laughs> yeah it just feels at this point that trade's going to be there uh, nobody else is going in for Buddy or Miles right now. Uh, there's yeah. nothing impending, so there isn't necessarily a sense of urgency. I always felt like the deadline was by training camp because I really didn't think Russ was going to be here for training camp. Realistically, the deadline to trade him now is literally the trade deadline, and he's going yeah. to gain in value as the season goes along, and maybe the Lakers sit back and see if somebody – uh, that was expected to contend flames out and they can jump on a, an opportunity. But the fact is Russ is here. And the other big news over the the weekend was the Lakers have a potential starting lineup that uh, Tarvin Ham revealed. I got to say it was really odd to have a coach just say what lineup he was using in <laughs> practice and not protect them uh, like their top secret information. Uh, during practice, Darvin Ham says he's been using Russ, Kendrick Nunn, LeBron, AD, and Damian Jones as the starting lineup. What were your thoughts uh, when hearing that? And what are your thoughts kind of on that being the starting lineup?
0: It, it's very interesting because I think when you um, read all of the quotes that Ham has been saying, uh, basically, since his, his when he first got hired and all the way through training camp talks a lot about having a, a four out one in system you know one, one center and everybody else playing on the perimeter when you look at the lineup you got two three guys on there that are very much not three point shooters between russ ad and damian jones now they did say that damian jones was taking some threes in that scrimmage game yesterday and that he's comfortable taking them in the corner um, ad obviously takes threes even though he, he really struggled with that last year. And same with Russ, he'll, he'll take some, uh, but he also uh, does not have anybody within 15 feet of him when he does. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's a little surprising what they're going for. I guess I can see it from maybe uh, uh, building the defense first and kind of looking at that 2020 team with having the two centers. Um, and I think AD mentioned this as well, that that Damian Jones kind of playing next to him is, is a – pretty similar sort of archetype as, as JaVale McGee was somebody who can block shots and then just be a quote unquote vertical spacer. Uh, somebody who can go up for lobs and, uh, you know, take, take a defender with him that way, even if he's not spacing out to the three point line. Um, and then the other interesting thing about this, I think, uh, for me is, that Kendrick Nunn seems to be getting a lot of praise in training camp, um, obviously for one. He, he has been sort of in that starting group and uh darvin hams talked about him having really good days uh really good practices that's a really positive sign because i think he is maybe the ultimate x factor other than obviously how russ gets integrated if he does stay um but sort of the ultimate x factor on the team is how good is kendrick nunn we literally have not seen him play with the lakers since last preseason when they went oh and six or whatever it was okay. um so yeah, it's if he is a guy that can, whether he starts or plays off the bench, I don't really care. But uh, if he's a guy that is kind of performing at that level where he is winning that that battle in training camp, then that is a really positive sign, I think.
1: It's funny as you were talking about the the lineup and how theoretically Damian Jones and Russ could be corner three point shooters, and I'm thinking, yeah, that would work. Maybe AD in the corner, and you very quickly run out of corners to put this uh, this lineup out there on the floor with uh, because, for one, and I'm probably like a lot of other Laker fans, probably because of how he played uh, when he was last year. I don't think of Damian Jones as a three-point shooter in any way. Uh, when he was last year, he took 17 shots, and 13 of them were within three feet and the other four were within 10 feet. Uh, last season in Sacramento, uh, he attempted 29 three-pointers. He hit 10 of them. Um, we'll see to what degree he's going to have a willingness because we've seen it's one thing to do it in practice. We even saw, like, with Dwight Howard last year, like, everything we saw in practice, it seemed decent. Um he did not take them in games except for sparingly and not really in any consistent manner. Damian Jones was only took seven threes in the corner last year, but he was eight of 19 on non corner threes. I don't know how it would look, how it would work. I don't love the idea of it because, he, as you said, this does not seem to fit the four out, one in style. Uh, Damian Jones, Thomas Bryant talked uh and said that they don't care who starts that one of they're they're going to play they're the two centers they don't care who starts do you care who starts between them
0: um but uh, before i answer that question one more note on the damian jones three-point thing darwin ham sort of made a joke about uh if he was able to make uh robin lopez take three pointers then he'll be able to make uh damian jones take three pointers and he's right. If you look at Robin Lopez's, like, three-point shots per season, he only played one year in Milwaukee with Darvin there. The year before that, he took 31. The year after that, he took 18. The year in Milwaukee, he took 105 threes.
1: Oh, my God. Uh,
0: and he hit a third of them. Obviously not great, but for a guy that never shoots threes, not not terrible. So
1: He I shot 38% on corner threes, Robin Lopez did. He was 21 of 55. If Damien Do- Damian Jones does that, yeah, I put yeah, put him in the corner. That's that's great.
0: Yeah, so I, I do think that um, it's believable, at least, that, that they do want him to take threes. Um, whether that's something that lasts all season or not, who knows? I think a lot of bigs kind of start the year taking threes. Like you said, we saw Dwight do it. Joel's done it at times. And then by the end of the year, it, it kind of like fizzles out and they stop doing it. Um, so we'll see. In terms of who I – or if I care if Damian Jones or, or Thomas Bryant starts. Um, yes and no. I think the main thing about one of them starting to me is that it pushes LeBron back to the three, and that's the most important thing because this team does not have enough wings for LeBron to be playing as a as a power forward again. I actually think LeBron is probably better as a power forward, but I, I think they just need him to play as a three, and they need to play a bigger starting lineup just for the sake of rotations to work out with with the lack of wing players that they have right now. Um, I do think it's a it's a more seamless fit with Thomas Bryant. He is a guy that has shot threes uh, throughout his career, has been decent at it, not amazing, but enough of a threat that I think he would space the floor and help ADL. Um, but at the same time, I, um, and, and he does still offer that sort of like lob threat that Damian Jones does as well. I think the only thing is that he doesn't seem to be quite as good of a, of a rim protector as, as Damian Jones would be. And it just seems like this team is very hell bent and focused on, on fixing the de- defensive issues from last season first before they really work on, on the offensive stuff. So from that perspective, I understand it. I think by the end of the year, maybe we'll see uh, Thomas Byron, start just because he's, he's a little bit of a better fit and it will Um, take away some of the pressure on the, on the offensive end that, that LeBron and Russ and AD will have, um, just because he can space the floor. Um, but I'm not, I'm not too concerned about, um, Damien Jones starting right now. I, I think just later on in the year it, that that could change.
1: <laughs> I mean, to me and stop me if you heard this before, but it's pretty much tied to whether Russ is going to be starting or not. Uh, sure. because sure. if Russ is starting, I mean, he's the one in (laughs) the four out one in. Uh, And so you would want somebody like Thomas Bryant, who is a more natural three point shooter, a more proven three point shooter than anything else. And. I would be much more comfortable with that if Patrick Beverly is starting or even Dennis Schroeder, I would probably feel better about starting Damian Jones because those guys Maybe not as much with Schroeder, more with Patrick Beverly. I would feel a lot better about them being a more natural spacer as a three-point shooter. So (laughs) a lot of this hinges on, on Russ, as it has for the last year. This is not my preferred starting lineup, shockingly. And I'll ask you first, what is your preferred ideal starting lineup which is a way of me of phrasing it and saying that you can bench Russ if you want to what is your what is your ideal starting lineup
0: um that's a very difficult question to answer (laughs) yeah um I so I I think the idea of Russ playing off the bench makes a lot of sense from a basketball, like, tactical standpoint, because mm-hmm. I think he, he, he will play against worse defenses, he'll be able to run more, he's going to have athletic players next to um, him, his defending isn't going to be as, as big of an issue as, as it is with the starting lineup. All of that, all of that is true. Um, but having said that, uh, from, like, a, just sort of, like, psychological standpoint and obviously we don't know these dudes but you know considering how last season went and and some of his um let's say disagreements with the coaching staff uh, (laughs) that have even you know sort of carried over to this training camp where he's kind of throwing a little bit of shade at them saying that you like the energy of a new coach and, and all of that uh, I would be worried that if you bench him, you, you kind of lose him. And that's sort of the reasoning that Frank Vogel had last year of, of why they never benched him. Um, and I think, you know, if, if Westbrook is going to be on this team the whole year, you can't risk that. You know, he's just too important of a player. And, and and I I don't think that the Lakers are good enough around the margins that they can just send him home and, and become a, a contender maybe maybe they can i mean maybe the vibes would just be worth it and, and that would send them into the playoffs that's a legitimate thing i think but uh if they're going to go deep in the playoffs i think they need russ integrated and they need him playing well and i think because of that i would want him to start and get it integrated with the other players now you can work out rotations and still playing with bench lineups as much as you want but i think i think the title of the of a starter is still pretty important um Russ so I would include him and obviously LeBron and AD would be included as well Um, and then I I think as as I discussed I think Thomas Bryan would be my ideal starting center Um, just marginally over over uh, Damian Jones because of the spacing reasons and enough this spot is like really up for grabs Uh, there's there's a lot of players that you can make a case for and really, I, I, I think it, it kind of comes down to who uh, can play enough defense to, to make up for uh, Russ and then also be able to hit a, uh, enough threes to make up for Russ. Um, and I think the guy on the team that I would trust most with that is probably Austin Reeves. Um mm-hmm. Now, like, I, I don't think Austin was a good three-point shooter last year either. Um maybe maybe can improve. Pretty solid defender, though, and, and he can cover for guys pretty okay, one-on-one, really good help defender, I think. Um, and, he, you know, the the playmaking probably isn't as important in that lineup because they have Russ and, and LeBron and whatever he can give, but it's good to have players that aren't one-dimensional and just kind of stand in the corner and, and wait for threes as well. So uh, right now, I think I would go with Austin Reeves like Lonnie Walker could maybe maybe go in there maybe Kendrick Nunn is legitimately playing out of his mind and is worth a look um there's a lot of players that that make sense but I think I would go for Austin Reed plus he has a little bit more size than than most players on this team
1: yeah he's legitimately probably going to have to be the backup small forward uh on this team which concerning a little bit but we'll see how that goes I I fully understand and Uh, Your argument for Russ, and I think that's why they probably need to start the season with him as a starter. I don't think it's going to go well, and I would hope and maybe to some degree expect Darvin Ham to have a very quick leash on him. And if that does not go well, he will not be the starter. He would not be (laughs) my ideal uh, starting five heading into the season uh i would go lebron and ad obviously i would also include austin reeves i would put patrick beverly in there and you can have lebron be the kind of de facto point guard like he was in the title team uh patrick beverly can play it a little bit as well even austin reeves has in the past said he wanted to uh but lebron can be the point guard there and then Honestly, at that point, I think you could go either Damian Jones or Thomas Bryant because you have enough shooting around. I I would probably go Damian Jones just because I think he's a little bit better defensively. Um, and give I, I like that kind of vertical lob threat. That team would look something close and kind of archetype to what the team was that won the title, uh, at least at starting five. So... Yeah, it'd be, yeah, Pat Bev, Austin Reeves, LeBron, AD, Damian Jones, again, they're not going to bench Russ anytime to start. We'll see how long that gets. Maybe he comes out and does play well. I'd love nothing more, but I've seen this song and dance a lot. Uh, he's going to get his shot, if nothing else, to, to play well, and that's going to start tonight, the Lakers' first preseason game. Well, technically, we don't know if he's going to play, but... We'll talk about that. We'll preview the game tonight and some things we're looking forward to here in just a moment. So Lakers open uh, the preseason tonight with a game against the Kings, seven thirty Pacific on NBA TV. Uh, we don't know if uh, the Big Three, I guess if they're still considered a Big Three, LeBron, AD, and Russ are going to be playing. Darvin Ham said. After practice, he hoped so um or quote, if possible, yeah, but he was going to sit down on Sunday with his staff and make a decision. um what is your thoughts, expectations, what are you looking forward to uh are gonna be looking for in this preseason game
0: um I, uh let's start with sort of like the the intangible part of it i think um we, we talked about this right before we got on the the vibes of the team being awful last year yes uh starting out the preseason i i like wins and losses don't really matter but having a, a good performance with good vibes is really important i think uh and that'll kind of set them in uh, going in in the right direction and i know that the lakers are aware of it because they've talked about you know the the Bigger guys playing more in preseason than they did last year. Um, and I think that's part of that reasoning. Uh, so I, I would love to see, you know, just sort of a little bit of aggression from those guys, obviously within reason. Don't want anybody getting hurt. Uh, really looking forward to seeing what Patrick Beverly is going to do in his first preseason game <laughs> as a Laker. I think that is going to be hilarious. And uh, I, I'm sure he's going to be looking to, to really like earn the, the respect and love of, of Lakers fans since he's been kind of a villain uh, for the Lakers for, uh, in the past. So, um, and you know, in terms of the vibes, I think he's going to be definitely like, like a tone setter for the Lakers all year. So, uh, really looking forward to that. And then I guess from a, a more basketball standpoint, um, you know, the, the Damian Jones and, and Thomas Bryant sort of quote unquote battle for that spot, even if they say they don't care about it, I think that's going to be interesting. Um, we obviously haven't seen either of those guys with the Lakers for a, a couple of years. Damian Jones, last time we saw him, was super raw, uh, but sort of was performing well just purely off of his energy. Um, and by all accounts, he, he's improved a lot and, and was playing pretty well with the King year. So really interested to see his improvements. Same with Thomas Bryant in terms of you know his shooting. That's something that he didn't really do with the Lakers uh, before he went to Washington. Um, So looking forward to that and then, uh, yeah, see, see what Russ does. How is, how's Russ going to perform in his first, first uh, reintroduction as a Laker? Um, You know, there's, you know, some reporting um, from that scrimmage game, at least from the open portion of it, that the media saw him being really engaged uh, off the ball and, and screening for other players and that stuff that, I think Russ has always kind of talked about doing it, and at times shown a willingness to do it. But when things get tough, he's kind of reverted back to his, his gut instinct, which is, you know, holding on to the ball and, and driving into the paint and throwing off wild layups and stuff like that. So it would be interesting to see sort of his commitment to the, to that role um, and, and how well he can he, he can play it and, and integrate it with uh, LeBron and AD.
1: I am fully in, like, do it before I believe it with Russ and all the yeah. off-ball stuff. I wrote an article with video of Russ setting screens in a game last season. I can't remember the opponent, maybe Memphis. Um, and it was the only game that it happened. And I was really <laughs> excited for that game. And I thought, this is dope. This is something that could really be something. And then they just didn't do it anymore. So uh, do it for more than one game and I will get excited about it. Um I would disagree that wins and losses don't matter. Specific it's very specific to this Lakers team because the vibes were so awful last year in the preseason. After going Owen, oh, I think they played six games. Owen oh, whatever. I they need to like they need some type of victory uh I'm not saying it's like a must win game, but like I can't do zero and six again. Like I, I cannot have it. LeBron sitting here talking about how he'll start playing better when the games matter, stuff like that. I, I can't sit here and, and listen to that again. So specifically for much better vibes when like win at least a couple of these, uh, I don't know if that is specifically uh, tonight. I don't know. There's a, like I said, there are six games they could do it, but win something like give me something small to build build on, because uh, I was when I was talking to Raj last week, we were we talked after the show about just how awful the vibes were last season. Uh, that That's what we can end on here briefly. How much uh, better do the vibes need to be this preseason? Does it feel like they're better? I know that's not a tangible thing, but like. Just looking back to last year, that was such an omen for what was about to come. Uh, How much better does it need to feel this season?
0: Uh I don't really have, have a good grasp, currently, of what the vibes are.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's my, not my remotely tangible. Eye. Yeah, it's not remotely <laughs> yeah. tangible. I know that is a very weird i yeah. mean it, it and this kind of goes back to what we were saying at the beginning is that like we're not excited about this maybe other people are and yeah. maybe the vibes are better it certainly sounds like from quotes from patrick beverly from even russ like you were saying kind of throwing shots a little bit from kendrick nunn that the vibes seem to be better i guess a, a yeah. different way of phrasing it is how important is that to this preseason
0: oh it's it's huge i'm a i'm a big proponent of factoring in vibes. Uh, it's my like go-to phrase in, in any basketball analysis at this point, mostly because I don't know anything else about basketball. <laughs>
1: um,
0: <laughs> um, so no, I, I do believe in it. Uh, I do think that there are some aspects that that are positive steps in that direction. I think you know we talked about Patrick Beverly as, as sort of like a tone setter. I think that is genuinely going to be an important uh, aspect of this team. Same with Darvin Hamm. uh I think. Teams like professional sports teams, any sport, always tend to get like a little bit of a bump when they have a new coach. You mm-hmm. see that of midseason a lot. It's a little different, I guess, uh, when it's you know in a, an an off season addition. But uh, Darvisham definitely seems like a very like motivational kind of guy that that players will want to play for. Um, so hopefully that 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 carries through. And yeah, um, you know, if if they win a couple preseason games, maybe that'll uh, prolong the inevitable uh, sideline dust-up from the second game of the season (laughs) last year to, like, the fourth game of the season. I don't know. Well, baby stops is is kind of what I'm looking for.
1: I, again, totally I've blocked out so much of last season. (laughs) I totally forgot about that as well. Um, Again, a horrible (laughs) omen for the season that they tried to just brush off in the moment is like, oh, well, we just are both competitive um yeah, everything from the first like month of the season last year was just more ominous than we ever realized. Hopefully oh, yeah. tonight ominous is not something we used to describe the Lakers and <laughs> their game against the Kings. Uh honey, thank you for coming on. I'm excited to do this podcast throughout the season. Uh we will be back next week to recap a Lakers game. They will be playing the Warriors next sunday so we'll have the recap on that we'll have um recaps on the this week's games coming up including tonight's on the network so be sure you guys are subscribed uh we will see you guys again next week until then uh for honey thank you all for tuning in and have a great one